such as me for a time such as this. Uh, to my wife, thank you. Thank you for just taking on the role that God has given you and wearing it with such grace and wearing it with such love. Thank you for being my cheerleader. Thank you for being my encouragement. Thank you for being my friend and for holding me up and building me up when I needed it most. Thank you for being available unto God to push me deeper into my purpose. To my pastor, thank you. Thank you for your friendship, man. Thank you for your mentorship. Thank you for just for just being there and just for allowing God to use you to continue to, to push me and to shape me and to mold me. I thank you, man. To my church family, my friends, I thank you all for being here. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for just loving over me. Whether I knew it at the time or not, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, even now, I thank you, Lord God. Thank you for allowing me to be a partaker in the opportunity of you using me for your glory. Hide me behind the cross, Lord God. Hide me behind your glory. Hide me behind your face. Hide me behind your mighty hand, Lord God. We honor you today, Lord God, and we are asking that you use this place, that you use me, that you use us as platforms for your glory, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll be reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And in the reading it says this, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have set this day thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. You may be seated. Growing up, there were five words that I had to be told a lot. Five words that I more than likely hated each and every time that I heard them. But the older I got and the wiser God allowed me to become, 
he allowed me to realize that these same five words would show me my place and my role and my position in his kingdom and as his child. You know what these five words were? Stay in a child's place. Oh, I hated those words with a passion. To some of my youth, y'all hate them because y'all being told them right now, too. But I think I hated those words for a slightly different reason than most people in this room. One of the reasons I hated those words so much was that a child can't stay in this place if he hasn't been taught what it is. When I was 10 years old, circumstances arose in my family where I had to be separated from my grandmother and my grandfather. And these were the backbone and the support system of what it meant for me to know my place as a child. Not only just that, but to know my place as a child in the world that I was living in. These were the people that were teaching me what it means to be a child of God. These were the people that were teaching me what it means to have a position and a place. But at that time, I was being separated from them, and now I was thrown in an environment where I didn't know who I was, didn't know where I was, didn't know what my place was, didn't know what my purpose was, didn't know what my position was, and I'm being told by individuals who don't know me and I don't know them to stay in my place, and they never took the time to teach me what it was. Oh, God. <laughs> they never took the time to teach me what it was. Nowadays, as adults, we use this phrase whenever we feel like we don't want to be bothered with our children. We use this phrase when we think they're dealing in the things that don't pertain to them, when we're, they're dealing with things that are none of their business. But one of the things that we have to realize as adults is that these children are being thrown into an environment where they're supposed to grow up a lot faster than they should ever have to, than you have ever had to, than I have ever had to. I teach seventh grade English to a group of children who use the B word so much they think of it as a nickname. I teach seventh grade English to a group of children who were in foster care because they were taken out of the house because they were watching their parents overdose on drugs. I teach seventh grade English to a group of young men whose dads are either in jail, dead, or they have no idea as to who or where he is. Most of the children that I teach have already, been, have already seen somebody be shot. So now when they see or hear about it, they laugh at it because it is nothing new to them. And here we are as adults on the sidelines with no idea as to who they are, where they come from, and we're telling them to stay in their place when life has already taught them that they don't even have one. And we wonder how broke, why they are as broken as they are. Here Jeremiah is during King Josiah's reign, and he's in some of the same places that our youth are in right now. He has no idea as to what his calling is, no idea as to what his purpose is, no idea as to why he is here because he does not know his place. And here he is in the 13th year of King Josiah's reign, and God comes to him. And the first words out of God's mouth pertaining to Jeremiah is that before I made you in your mother's womb, I knew you. 
Now, the word new as God was using it wasn't just saying I'm familiar with you. It wasn't just that I understand who you are, not just I am acquainted with you. But the way God was using it is before I ever made you, I loved you. I knew exactly who you were before I ever made you. I was intimately involved with every single detail pertaining to who you were. More than that, I approved you. I chose you, I selected you, I ordained you. You are my child. And our God is so awesome that he even put all of those things in the name that he gave Jeremiah. Do you realize what the name Jeremiah means? The name Jeremiah means to be appointed by the eternal. (sighs) Which means even before he made Jeremiah, even before he created the foundations of the planet, God said, I am making you for me, for my uses, for my purposes. You are mine. And whether we know it or not, God is saying the exact same thing to each and every one of us. God is showing us that as his children, if we dwell in him, that we have a place in him. And that it is a place of purpose. It is a place of authority. And it is a place of representation. Because those are the three areas of our life where God wants to show who he is so that he can do everything he wants to do in us, for us, through us. But that that starts with us recognizing that in him is our place of purpose. Last quarter, I put a question to my students. And I knew it was a question they would not completely understand. But it was something that I knew needed to be addressed. I asked them what their purpose was. I said, what is the one thing you feel like you've been placed on this planet to do? Now, that's a heavy question to ask a seventh grader. (laughs) So I really didn't expect much, but all I really wanted was for them to think about it, was for them to wonder, what is that one thing I was put here to do? A few minutes into the question, I noticed that one one of my students was talking. She wasn't engaged with the question. So I said, what's going on? Why are you not working? She said, Mr. Williams, I can't answer the question. I said, okay, well, we'll try and work it out. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Let's get started. She said, no, Mr. Williams, you don't get it. I can't answer what my purpose is because I don't even have one. 13 years old, and life had already taught her, and the world around her had already taught her that there was no reason for her to be in it. What hurt me even more so than that was there are hundreds of kids and hundreds of adults who have the exact same perspective as this little girl. Every day we wear it in the way that we walk, we wear it in the way that we talk, we wear it in the way that we dress, we wear it in the way that we live, and we don't even realize what we're doing. (laughs) My God. (laughs) So God shows up before Jeremiah. And in verses 4 and 5, after he tells Jeremiah that he loved him and that he chose him, and what he tells Jeremiah what he chose him or what he sanctified him to do. In calling Jeremiah a prophet, in verse 5, he says, I ordained thee a prophet among the nations. Uh 
what he was really doing was giving Jeremiah a glimpse as to what his purpose was. He was showing Jeremiah the reason he had been put on this planet in the first place. He was showing Jeremiah, this is yours. This is what I have for you to do. But Jeremiah's response in verse 6 doesn't just show his view of God's purpose for him. It shows what Jeremiah thought of himself. It shows just how much he truly thought of himself. Verse 6, he says, Then said I, I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am just a child. What he was really saying was, Who am I that you would give something like this to me? I am nowhere near worthy of it. This is too big for me. This is too important for me. Why would you give me this? Who am I? I am nobody. I am a child. There is nothing that I know. There is nothing that I can do. That was his perspective of himself. And whether we know it or not, that's our, some of our perspectives about ourselves. But God does something wonderful and awesome. In that next verse, what he does with Jeremiah is reaffirm the truth of who he is and the truth of what his purpose is in God. In verse seven, he says, but the Lord said unto me, say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. What God was actually doing was taking Jeremiah's eyes off of himself and putting them to the one that they belonged to in the first place. Because that is where his purpose dwelt the entire time. And what God is doing with each and every one of us is taking our eyes off of ourselves and putting them to the one that they belong to in the first place. Because that is where your purpose lies. That is your place of purpose. That is your place of purpose. That is your place of purpose. He's saying to Jeremiah, you're not just a child. You are my child. You are not just a child. So you are going to go where I will send you. You are going to say what I told you to say because of the fact that you have nothing to be afraid of. I am with you. Whenever God has called and commissioned you to do something, he's not going to send you by yourself because he knows that your purpose isn't something you can do by yourself anyway. He knows that it's something that's too great for you to do in and of your own strength. So to the glory of God, he will not leave you as an orphan because of the fact that you are his child. Not only will he come to see about you, but he will be right there to help you walk and complete the purpose that he gave you. In John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus is speaking to his disciples right before he's about to be crucified, and he makes them a promise. He makes a declaration unto them, which blew me away. He says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And is reassuring his disciples that even after he dies, he will send 
his Holy Spirit. He will send his comforter. He will send his instructor. He will send his counselor, his teacher to help guide them in the purpose that he set them on the planet to complete for his glory. What blew me away about this is because of the fact that Jesus Christ is one with the Father, which means he dwells in the Father and the Father dwells in him. It is actually the Spirit of God, the Father, that is making this promise to the disciples. It is actually the Spirit of God, the Father, that is promising not to leave them as orphans. It's actually the Spirit of God, the Father, that is promising to empower them and to strengthen them and to move them and to teach them and to honor the purpose that he gave to them. What really blew me away, (laughs) what really blew me away was the fact that the same God that made the promise to Jeremiah is the same God that made the promise to the disciples, is the same God that is making that promise to each and every one of us. If we dwell in God, then we are heirs of the children of God. We are heirs of the inheritance of God. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. So the same God that made the promise to Jeremiah is the same God making that promise to each and every one of us. Because of the fact that you have been given purpose, that means you have been given kingdom agenda. That means you've been given kingdom business. And God doesn't just give kingdom business to anybody he hasn't given kingdom authority to. Whenever kings were sending messengers in the Old Testament to deliver a message, he gave them the power and the authority to do so because he knew they didn't have any power in and of themselves. God goes by the same pattern. So whenever he gives you business to conduct on his behalf, he gives you the power and the authority to execute it because he knows you don't have any of yourself. Why? Because all of that is a part of your place in his kingdom. Anybody who knows me well enough knows that when I was five, my mother took me to to the laundromat over where uh, in Pleasant Ridge, where Biggs once was. And at the time, there were plenty of shopping centers, there were plenty of of malls and and different things, different stores in that area. And my mother took me to the laundromat. She left me in the car, she left the car running just so she could put clothes in the washer. Well, me being the adorable little heathen that I was, (laughs) I thought it would be fun to, to sit in the driver's seat. So I, so I climbed in the driver's seat, car, car still running, and noticed that my foot was just long enough to, to you know, reach the gas pedal. Ba- barely see over the steering wheel, but I can, I can touch the gas pedal. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right in life, yes. And because I seen my mother do it so many times, I, I started to put my hand on the gear shift. So I said, oh, I, yeah, I've seen mommy do this a bunch of times. I, 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 I think I know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> so I put the car in gear. And immediately the car floors straight down the parking lot into a storefront window. <laughs> Knocked out an entire storefront window. <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I can look back on that situation and laugh, but one of the things I never realized at the moment was that I put myself in a position of power that I wasn't prepared to handle. Because I didn't recognize the power or the purpose that that power was ordained with. If this is true in the natural, this has to be true in the supernatural, that any time you misuse the power that was given purpose, there are always going to be consequences for misusing the power that is attached to the purpose of the thing you are operating. And we should know that by now because some of us are still facing the consequences of being mis of having power misused that was originally attached to our purpose. Don't believe me? Just look at Adam and Eve. So whenever God gives you power, he always shows you the responsibility that is attached to that power. Amen. Because of the fact that his namesake is also attached to the power and the purpose of that power. Here's Jeremiah. And God has already shown Jeremiah what his purpose is. He's shown him what he was set there to do. And he does something special in verse 9. Verse 9, the text says, Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, for a lot of us, that doesn't carry much weight because a lot of us don't recognize the true power of God. A lot of us don't recognize that the, the same power of the word that God is talking about here is the word that spoke all of creation into existence. It's the same word that rose Folks from the dead that had lost their lives is the same word that is still holding everything in place. Most of us skip over that, but even more so than that, most of us skip over the fact that the word that is being discussed is actually the spirit of the pre-incarnate Christ. Anytime you see word used in the Old Testament, whether it's being communicated with the prophets, not just the Old Testament, but all throughout the Bible, whether it be through creation, whether it be with the prophets, whenever God is speaking or wherever God is at work, it is through the living and active power of his word. And because of the fact that Jesus Christ is the living word, that he is the representation of God. The word that is being discussed, the power that was placed in Jeremiah's mouth, the representation that was placed in Jeremiah's mouth, the understanding, the knowledge, all of it that was being placed in Jeremiah's mouth is actually the express image of Christ because Christ is the express image of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had purged himself when he himself had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance 
obtained a more excellent name than they. In the Greek, the word, one of the terms that is used to describe the word, that is used to describe God's word, is called rhema. And it's actually used to show the spirit of God actively communicating and interacting with each and every one of us. Now, because of the fact that Jesus Christ is the living word and because he is the he is the incarnation of the word. If Christ being you and you being Christ, then the living word of God is on your lips and in your heart. The power of the living word dwells within you, which means he is taking his rightful place in you so that you can take your rightful place in him. That's exactly why God put his word in Jeremiah's mouth, because of the fact that his word lives. And because of the fact that he, his word lives, he actually has for you to speak life. Because that is part of the representation of who he is. Alondra was absolutely right. Speak life. Because that was what God ordained you to do. Speak life. Because of the fact that his word dwells in you. Speak life. Because of the fact that that's part of your place in his kingdom. Speak life. Because that is exactly what you were put here to do. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life over yourself. Speak life over your family. Speak life over your situation. Speak life over each and everything that God has ever put you here to do. That's exactly why he put his word in Jeremiah's mouth. Because it's through our confession. He put his word in Jeremiah's mouth so that Jeremiah could confess the representation of who God is. Let me prove it. In verse 10, Jeremiah is told by God. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah was given power and authority to destroy entire kingdoms. I'm talking some of the biggest nations on the planet at that time, and he was given power and authority by the word of God to tear down and establish entire kingdoms. Now, God didn't just do that by happenstance because of the fact that everything God does is done with a purpose. God actually gave Jeremiah that authority to show and to represent what God was intended to do in the future and is still planning to do in the future. Book of Daniel, chapter two, verse 44. Daniel is describing for King Nebuchadnezzar a dream that the king has had. And he's describing the establishment and destruction of four major kingdoms because it's making way for another kingdom. And in these days, in the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. 
the kingdom being discussed here is actually the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that will be established on earth, which is why Jeremiah was given the power and authority to do so, to represent the coming kingdom of God. But what I found more interesting, if he gave this purpose to Jeremiah so that he could tear down and deconstruct physical kingdoms, God gave us the same power and authority so that we could tear down spiritual kingdoms to make way for the kingdom of God in our lives. That's exactly why Paul says we don't war after the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What he is actually talking about is strongholds that were being set up in your thinking, strongholds that are being set up in your soul, strongholds that are being set up in your heart, because those are structures of the kingdom of Satan. But glory be to God that he has given you the power and authority to, to deconstruct, to tear down, to uproot all of those kingdoms that are at place in your heart because the only kingdom that needs to be dwelling there is the kingdom of God. What I found even more interesting than that is that if you dwell in Christ, the kingdom of heaven already dwells in you. <laughs> because of the fact that you are the child of a king, the king of glory has already made his home in you. Your heart is his throne. Your soul is his tabernacle. Your body is his temple. Matter of fact, you are kingdom. You are kingdom. And because of the fact that you are kingdom of God, you carry the representation of God. You carry the spirit of the most high God in you. You are kingdom. Because of the fact that the king of glory, Jesus Christ himself, the foundation of the kingdom that you are a part of, lives in you. One of the things that God is showing me is that there's a difference between knowing your place and staying in your place. There's a difference between knowing your position from 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 knowing where you're supposed to be, knowing where you belong, knowing who you are. And it's a totally different thing entirely to stay in that position, to live in that position, to rest in that position. Because ultimately, how you are able to dwell there, how you are able to live there and to rest there is ultimately going to determine the amount of power, purpose, and representation you're able to walk in as a child of God. One of my favorite scriptures of all time is Psalms 91 verse 1. Yeah. Psalms 91 verse 1 is probably one of the most beautiful verses that I've ever seen in the Bible. Because it doesn't just describe a place of power, it doesn't just describe a place of authority, but it also describes a place of rest. It describes a place of protection. It describes a place of peace. It describes a place that was purposely positioned in the presence of God. Amen. Psalms 91 verse 1 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
What I found beautiful about this was that this is a place that is available to every Christian. But most of us never access it because we're too busy and too comfortable just visiting that place instead of living in that place. Most of us are so comfortable visiting the presence of God that we don't choose to live in the presence of God. Most of us are so comfortable with just visiting the King of Glory that we don't even care to sit and live with the King of Glory. Even if he already lives and dwells with and in us. <laughs> when God showed me this, it blew me away because of the fact that getting to that secret place is going to cost you something. Getting to that secret place and dwelling and living in that secret place is going to cost you something. And even though that cost has already been paid, it can only be accessed through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because his secret place is actually his heart. His secret place is actually the dwelling place and the very core of his heart. And the only reason he would ever prepare a place like that for us is because he loves you. He loves you. Even before the foundation of the planet, he loved you. Even before he formed you in your mother's womb, before he knitted you in your mother's womb, he knew you. Before he ever put you on this planet, even though he knew everything there was to know about you, good, bad, ugly, unknown, and otherwise, he saw fit to love you. Even though he knew you were going to go your own way, even though he knew that you were broken, even though he knew that you were abandoned, even though he knew you may have been suicidal, even though he may have known, 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 he still prepared a place for you. And it was a place that was closest to him because it was in his heart. He loves you. And because of the fact that he loves you and because of the fact that he saw fit to prepare a place for you that is in him, in him you are a chosen generation. In him you are a royal priesthood. Or in him you are a holy nation. You are the righteousness of God. You are a peculiar treasure. You are the child of a king. You are a lion's wealth. You are everything that God has ever called, positioned, and ordained you to be. Why? Because he is the king of glory. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is Jehovah Elion. He is the most high God. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the world, the lily of the valley. He is, he is, he is. And because he is, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. He's established a relationship with you. That's exactly what he established with Jeremiah when he called him and commissioned him. And that's exactly what he did when he sent Jesus Christ to die a death that was not his, to lay in a borrowed tomb 
and to rise to sit on the right hand of his father, our father, your father, so that you could know and take your rightful place in him. But it starts with a relationship with him. So if you don't know Christ as one of his adopted children, as one of his restored sons, get to know him. Get to know him. Allow him to establish relationship with you and show you what your rightful place is in him. I promise you it is a place of purpose. I promise it is a place of authority. I promise it is a place of representation. It is a place of peace. It is a place of joy. It is a place of peace. It is a place of protection. It is a place of strength. It is a place of humility. It is a place of brokenness. It is a place of freedom. It is, 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 it is. Children of God, sons of the Almighty, if your place be in him, stay in your place. Stay in your place. Stay in your place. Turn to your neighbor. Encourage the person next to you. Speak life. Tell them stay in your place. 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 Because your place, your place, your place. Is in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. Hallelujah! 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 Give God some praise.